0: Let's see what the stew has for us today.
1: Welcome to the GnomeCast and Gnome Stew's Tabletop Gaming Advice Podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by awesome Patreon backers like the bombastic Ben Madden, the beautiful Bob Queck, and the bountiful Bruce Cordell. Today we have myself, Ange, along with Jared and JT, and today we're going to talk about tropes. The good, the bad, the ugly, all related to the concept of tropes. Before we dive into that main topic, though, let's ask our get-to-know-a-gnome question. What is the most painful cliche you've ever encountered in RPGs? And Jared, I'm going to make you go first.
0: Okay, if you insist. I think probably one of the most painful things that um, I've run into... Not counting like, you know, when we were kids and we first started playing because everything is horrible stereotypes and <laughs> cliches yes. left and right. But in more adult role playing, it would probably be the the no good deed goes unpunished cliche where oh. every time I was in a campaign and we had several people, they were either they they might be good or they might be at least at the very least idealistic. And we would run into like mercenaries or even like the, the low level cultists, uh, you know, that were running around the campaign. And we would try to basically be nice to them and say, Hey, even if you don't want to work for us, maybe you could just stay out of this and be neutral or, you know, go have a good life. And invariably, whenever we would try to do that, we would get backstabbed or screwed over by these people <laughs> that we basically tried to, you know, not just murder offhand and it got a little frustrating after a while.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know that one.
0: That sounds painful. It's
1: in a campaign years ago where we players primarily at my insistence, because I don't like being a murder hobo insisted. (laughs) We did not kill these people who we needed to steal like their, their cloaks from, so we could pretend Mm -hmm. to be them sneaking into a place. Yeah. Right. And we very purposefully subdued these people we didn't kill them the gm had his gm pc sit on one of them and rolled the dice and rolled a 20 so decided his npc killed one of these people and i'm just Critical like butt
2: damage then huh
1: i hate uh, you like sitting on i hate him. you so uh, much
0: yeah that's no <laughs> oh.
1: anyway jt what about you what what's your what's your most despised cliche from gaming
2: So this was early nineties. We were playing werewolf, the apocalypse, and we were actually playing ourselves as werewolves, which is a phenomenal amount of fun to be honest with you. Anyway, one of the, my fellow players had a girlfriend at the time that really nobody liked. And she would sit in (laughs) on the games and peanut gallery and be snarky. And she, she was a thoroughly unpleasant person. And to, uninvite her from the game, the game master had the bad guy kill her to motivate the player in the game to go fight bad guy. Uh, Which, you know, we didn't know the phrasing at the time, but it, it, fridging is, is the truth, uh-huh. right? The girlfriend was fridged so that the player would, you know I don't know, uh, get into line and step up and go after the bad guy. Because the player was also reluctant to go after the bad guy. Because the bad guy was pretty badass person, right? We didn't want direct confrontation with this particular uh, bad NPC because he was just mm. going to wipe the floor with us. We weren't ready for him yet. And uh, yeah. So the uh, girlfriend got fridged, Oof. which thoroughly upset the real life girlfriend because <sighs> it happened in front of her literally. Right. Mm-hmm. So she, she bails and quits and stops showing up, which was actually beneficial for the game. Um, but the, uh Yeah. The girlfriend got fridged and nobody really liked how the game master did it, but we carried on and completed the, the campaign arc, you know, as you do. But yeah, fridging the girlfriend, that was a bad experience. Yeah, oh, yeah.
1: Wow. I yeah. believe somewhere in the archives of Gnome Stew episodes, we have an episode talking about family connections, and we spent a good part of that episode encouraging mm-hmm. GMs don't fridge your players' families and <laughs> right. loved ones. It's it's.
2: I think I was on that one. Maybe the, the, the conversation <laughs> sounds familiar. Yeah,
1: I, I vaguely remember. I know I've at least listened to it. Either Chuck or when somebody, mm-hmm. but it was definitely yeah. a don't don't do this. It's right. Yeah. It's it's a cliche. It's a trope. We'll get into that momentarily. Oh, yeah. But oh yeah, it's don't do it. It's 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 lazy.
2: <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. So about you, Ange? What 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 uh horrible tropes have you tripped across in your <laughs> role-playing career?
1: I can't stand the lone wolf. <laughs> uh the, yeah. it's and and you know, I as a GM have gotten to the point where if I even sense a hint of a lone wolf in a PC that one of my players is making, I I put the kibosh on it right away. It's like, nope, nope, you are not a lone wolf. Right, You know, because, (laughs) and most of this comes from, you know, as you were mentioning, Jared, back in the day when we were, we were young and first starting out and young and dumb. (laughs) You know, we had so many people who wanted to play that lone wolf, who wanted to play Wolverine, Mm -hmm. who wanted to play Raceland, who wanted to play Dritz. Right. And didn't understand how to do it in such a way that made the game fun for everyone. They were so focused on playing their character type that it hurt the game for everyone else. And sometimes you ended up having a GM running two games at once because you had the one player who refused to engage (laughs) with anybody else, but the GM didn't feel like they had the right to tell that player, well, okay, that's fine if you don't want to get involved in this plot line with the rest of the players. Your character goes off and does that. Would you like to make a new character that does want to get involved with the rest of the group?
0: Right. I'm yep. the best I am at what I do, and what I do is split the party.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, uh, yes.
2: And- yes. I've actually had a player running a lone wolf ask, why aren't you running the campaign for the adventure for me? Oh God! And I had like eight people in the group, eight players. This was an insane campaign that I ran, and I was like, because there's seven other people here that that want to cooperate and collaborate. You know, sorry, man, but you get to sit yeah. and watch.
1: Yeah, it's like, and there's and you know the, those those lone wolf characters from the stories we love. You know, they're they're great characters, but every single one of those stories, they end up having a reason. To interact with the other characters Mm -hmm. in it. You know, Wolverine starts off as a, you know, surly, hairy guy who doesn't want to work with the team and ends up becoming integral to the X-Men. It's like
2: Han Solo. Same thing.
1: Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, Less hair,
2: but. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I mean, all the hair's on Chewie.
2: There you go. There you go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So let's move into our main topic. Recently, Phil dropped an article talking about tropes, and we realized we'd never really delved into the subject here on the Gnomecast, so let's take a look at it. Now, trope has a few different definitions, uh, but we are mostly concerned with these two. A recurring theme or motif, and a convention or device that establishes a predictable or stereotypical representation of the character, the setting, the plot, whatever. And while tropes can get a bad rap to a certain degree, we can't tell stories without engaging with them on some level. So, how do we, as GMs, engage with tropes on a level that improves our games but doesn't bore everyone because they already know what's going to happen? JT, since you're a writer, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw <laughs> this. You know, you're a fiction writer. I'm gonna throw right? this at you and be like, how do you know? How do you balance this as a GM?
2: So, as a GM, I. I use tropes as a shortcut because tropes establish a common understanding of some concept. If they're overused or used in a cardboard cutout way, that's when they get dry and stale and boring and and no good anymore. But, you know, having a recurring theme, having a shortcut, having just a a manner or approach to quickly describe or establish a, a, a situation... Tropes are great for that. As long as you don't do it over and over and over, because like I said, it just gets boring. The example that Phil used in his article was when the the team, his players, enter a new city, he has them describe how they're entering that city, how they're coming in. And I think that is a fantastic trope because you don't have to come into the city on the airplane every time. You could use the railway or drive your car or whatever, right? There, there's a in modern setting, there's numerous ways to get into a city. So it can vary it up for the players because the player doesn't have to pick a get-off first-class airplane every time, right? And it also can set a cinematic theme for what's going on, especially since, uh, I think it was Knights Black Agents that he was talking about. So you could pick any modern city and just let her rip, and every city has its own soul, yeah, its own feel. So you could have the feel of entering different cities feel different for each player. And, and I just love that concept. I love that idea. Um, by the way, Phil, if you're listening, I'm totally stealing that idea <laughs> on the next modern game that I run. So, so yeah, that's kind of where tropes come in handy. Where they get bad is, again, if they're overused or perhaps abusive, like I've already talked about, you know, fridging the girlfriend. Right. That's an abusive approach to forcing the hand of a player to go do something. And I've seen players rebel and reject this. You know, Mm -hmm. as a fiction writer, usually my characters have to do what I tell them to do. Not always, but usually. So if I fridge a character's girlfriend, me as the author gets to choose how that character is going to react. You do the same thing to a PC, the player gets to choose how their character reacts. And it may not be what you expect. It may not be what you intended to have have happened right
1: i had an experience where it was a science fiction game we were a team of operatives we had had a mission go sideways and the gm was a relatively new campaign the gm had our boss basically rip into us you know and basically why did you let this happen why did you let this fail blah. blah and it was like You know, from a gameplay perspective, it was nothing that we players did wrong. That's just the way the scenario played out. And to be confronted the beginning of the next session with this NPC just laying waste to us was like, I don't have to sit here and listen to this. And I had my character get up and walk out. (laughs) And the GM was a little confounded because that's not how that scene is supposed to go. You're supposed to have (laughs) the surly captain laying into his detectives
0: right, you know right. and
1: then setting them on the right track to finish the mystery you know but it was like no I don't I'm I wouldn't take this crap from a real boss let alone <laughs> an NPC <laughs> fake boss in a fantasy game
2: right right you're here to have fun don't 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 get abusive right yeah. just, now if you're you had a plan of action that was a poor plan of action and then things went sideways I could see a not maybe direct word for word dressing down of the, the PCs, but a, a summation, right? Right. You're called into your boss's office. He chews your ass for 20 minutes, tells you to get back out there and do the next one right. Done, right? No, no actual chewing involved, but just right. a, kind of a veil of sorts, right? Lines mm-hmm. and veils. Just uh, veil it so that you get the impression of boss is unhappy. And we're going to move on to the next mission. Yeah, next, next it, was, it was a
1: combination of the previous mission went sideways through no fault of our own. It was the setup the GM had and wanted to push forward. Okay, that's fine, but then to basically suffer the consequences of a botched mission that was no fault of our own was kind of like, wait a second i i don't i don't i don't like this. I'm not enjoying this. This is not fun. I don't like this trope. It doesn't fit here.
0: <laughs> yes. You know. Mm-hmm.
1: How about you, Jared?
0: Well, first off, I am kind of hoping that all of you that are in my uh, Midgard game are like uh, Darius, because basically I have a character that is the the kind of a, like mission provider character that is very suave and and is tied uh-huh. in with everyone, and instead of being anything else he is a kobold (laughs) (laughs) nice (laughs) but um, i
1: like him so far
0: (laughs) so do i so do i (laughs) and he has such nice hats but (laughs) i think the the thing for me about tropes is i like using tropes because they make people comfortable Mm -hmm. and you know phil talked about this how you know you have to know when to use tropes until you decide to subvert those tropes. And it is kind of that when you start a campaign, you kind of want people to be comfortable so they have room to grow into their characters before you start throwing the weird stuff at them.
1: Well, I think there's also... Tropes can inform the genres that we play in. Mm -hmm. And if you don't play to the genre that your game is set in, you can get this disconnect with your, your, your players, you know? And I think it, that's an important, like, that's a good part of tropes. It helps establish the genre that you're playing, the tone that your game is going for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you, you, you don't want to, for example, years ago, we had a star Wars campaign where it was, it was star Wars. This is not supposed to be, major blood and guts you know uh, high-end slaughter type of game it's you know it's right. red and blue lasers and laser swords with aliens that look funky and we had a player kind of start turning our game into a shadow run campaign and the <laughs> tone was just really off like he had some poor dead NPC stuffed in a garbage can that he was wheeling around this space <laughs> station we were on, and we're just like, Brendan, this isn't Star Wars. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So it was like that campaign didn't last very long, partially because the tropes veered too far off of what was appropriate for yeah. the
0: genre. Well and I also think um one of the things where I think tropes can fall into, you know, not being as satisfying is when the you you use a trope, but you use the trope as your surprise. And, you know, when you expect the trope to be the surprise, it's not going to work that way. Yeah. I think, for example, I was trying to think of a good example of this, and I was thinking, we have seen so many, like, modern stories with intelligence agencies where it turns out the intelligence agency has been infiltrated, and it's really the intelligence agency that's the bad guy. And Hell
1: Hydra.
0: Yeah. And that, that's a cool trope, but you can't use it that much as a surprise these days. Because if you suddenly tell your players, oh, by the way, your boss is actually working for this agency. And, you know, you can't trust anybody. And, you know, you've been working for the bad guys all along. It's going to be like, oh, yeah, just like in Winter Soldier.
2: Oh, that again. Yeah.
0: yeah. But. That doesn't mean you have to abandon that trope. It's that you have to move that trope from the surprise part of the campaign to maybe the foundational part of the campaign. If you, in your session zero, tell your players, okay, you're all going to be playing spies, you're working for this agency, your immediate superior has told you that he thinks this agency has been taken over by, you know, this other agency, and you're all working to try and find proof of that so you have to do your main jobs and your side jobs to prove that, that it's been compromised then it's not the surprise anymore it's the foundation but you're still using a trope from that genre
1: yeah that's actually a really good point
0: that's an amazing setup as well yeah
1: and you know this is this is something i think we as gms need to be careful of anyway you got to be aware of the the tropes and things you default to Or Mm -hmm. your comfort zones, because you can end up overusing them to the point that your players are like, oh, great, it's another abandoned amusement park, Ange. This couldn't possibly be haunted at all.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so what you just described, Jared, with the the setup being, you know, you lean so hard into the trope, you're in the middle of it, it's subverting the trope. Mm -hmm. Which is really hard to do to be honest (laughs) with you, both in gaming and in fiction writing. because And like you said, Angie, you've got to understand the trope and all of its nuances so that you can then break it open and see what gooey mess you find inside so you can have fun with that, right? Right. Mm -hmm. In fiction writing, there's a million, I hate this word, rules. I call them guidelines. (laughs) But you absolutely need to know them and learn them so you understand them so that then you can break them with clear intent. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how the handling of tropes is exactly like that. Know them, understand them, hit tvtropes.com, set a timer, don't don't <laughs> spend hours there like <laughs> like seriously <laughs> set like a 20-minute timer and when it goes ding, you just close the tab and move on with life.
1: Yeah, and I have there've been many many books I've abandoned in the past that basically the author didn't understand this. And mm. they broke the tropes in a way that made the story not fun anymore. Right. Like, it's like there there were, t- you know, like I picked up the book because I thought I was going to be getting some sort of epic traditional fantasy and several chapters in they suddenly shift gears and now it's not what I thought it was going to be. And yeah. I'm not enjoying the direction it's going.
2: Right, yeah, that's betrayed promises right there. Because you, you're you're opening page, pages, chapter, or in role playing terms, session zero, sets promises to the either players or audience, whatever mm-hmm. you've got there. And if your intent is to run the spy game where everybody works for an organization but the organization's really evil, and you don't set that up in session zero properly. That head fake is going to burn you later. It really I'm is. I'm actually
1: going to steal an example that happened to Phil in his group in the past. He was running masks, and a common trope in superhero stories is superheroes losing their powers, yeah, and having to deal with that fact. Mm-hmm. That is not a fun role-playing game <laughs> session, and <laughs> Phil learned that the hard way.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, he
1: basically had his characters. End up in a situation where none of them have their powers and the players were miserable. Cause
2: no.
1: you know, it's <laughs> like you built this character around these powers and now suddenly you're not allowed to play with them. It's mm-hmm. one thing if you're the author of a story and writing the trials and tribulations of those characters, but that doesn't always work translated to a role playing game because right. you still have to, you still have to count for player fun in that story you're adding to the game.
2: It is great Mm -hmm. fun to witness a fictional character struggle, like having their power stripped. It's not so much fun to struggle yourself. Yes, you want to be challenged. Yes, you Mm -hmm. want obstacles to overcome. But struggle is kind of taking that pendulum and swinging it a little too far to one side or the other into the not fun area.
1: Right.
0: There's also something to be said for having in games where players can drive what you know what has gone wrong for them, you know, like in fate or in you know in some power by the apocalypse games, and letting them decide, okay, now is when I want to have my powers not work instead of having that hard lockdown from the g m right, yes,
2: yes, that that's agency right there where if the player decides I'm not going to or cannot use my powers, that's the player's choice. But the, the GM fiat of you no longer have your powers, that strips you of all your agency. Maybe not all, but in a superhero game, 90% of your agency is and, and abilities are based around your superpowers. So
1: we, we were actually talking about this in my D&D group because my sorcerer is, I mean, she's basically Elsa. She's based around ice <laughs> spells. <Nice>. Uh, so <laughs> most of her big damage spells have cold damage. And we're going up against something currently that is resistant to cold damage, <laughs> and you know everyone was like, "Oh, that's that's gotta suck. That's gotta suck." And I'm like, "No, no, no, no. I I completely, as as a fellow GM, I completely understand this. He needs to, you know, he needs to throw that obstacle at me once in a while. Because if sure. you don't do it once in a while, then you're just, you know, it's like challenge your players." just don't have it be every single foe they go up against is resistant to cold damage. So like, it's like, as long as, you know, a week or two before I got to completely nuke a room of bad guys with my ice (laughs) fireball, we're fine.
0: We're
1: fine. Yeah.
0: I think another thing that's kind of important about tropes, and this can be a pain, but it's kind of knowing what's in the pop culture zeitgeist at the moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, Once you realize there are certain things that are circulating in certain types of movies, and if you aren't aware of that and you happen to do that same thing accidentally, then all of a sudden you could have a bunch of players that are like, oh, this thing. You know? (laughs) The
1: the other side of that is you could have players who have an expectation that something they do is going to be similar to one of those things in the Zeitgeist and be disappointed when the GM doesn't really roll with it the way they expected to.
2: Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, Something else I wanted to bring up was like intra tropes. And what I mean by that is usually they're called inside jokes, but not, not everything inside is a funny, Mm -hmm. but you've got your tropes that your own group has established. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, for example, this one's kind of an inside joke and an inside trope all at once is Many, many, many moons ago, barbarian character got tired of being lectured by the cleric character. So the barbarian just turns his back and starts to walk away, and the cleric player just keeps going, keeps wants to continue the conversation, but the barbarian has only taken like three or four steps away. He, there's, he's still within earshot of casual conversation, and the barbarian waves his hand over his shoulder and says, "Me much too far away to hear you now." <laughs> and, and keeps walking. And the cleric got so flustered that it, it just, words failed uh. the player. And, and so that, that that's our, our inside joke, is when you want to end a conversation, you can still, you don't have to turn away. You just say, me much too far away to hear you now. And that's <laughs> our inside joke indicator of, I, I'm done listening to you now.
1: We have something similar in the D&D campaign I was just talking about where two of the characters were part of a thieves guild. At the beginning of the campaign, they had been part of a thieves guild that had been recently wiped out. So they were like, we need to start our own thieves guild. And they recruited, you know, I'm putting quote marks around this, my character and a couple of others who are like, no, we are not part of a thieves guild. We're (laughs) just solving some problems. And it's been this ongoing theme throughout the campaign that, these two characters are like, yes, we've created this thieves guild. We are the thunder cranes. And, you know, at least two of the other, we are not, we're not thunder cranes. Not to the point where one of those characters just recently got a familiar and the GM suggested that it be a thunder crane. And he's like, no, no, my familiar is not a thunder crane. You know, like it's, it's, these are important to, you know, they may not be crucial to the overall story, but I think they're important to cultivate and nurture for that feeling of of bonding in a campaign.
0: Absolutely. I am a a horrible, horrible, mean GM, but multiple times in Star Wars games, people left their ship unattended, and I either blew it up or stole it (laughs) (laughs) on multiple occasions. So this became a trope in our campaigns where it's like somebody was like, Okay, well, tell the droid to come on up. Like, no, the droid stays with the ship. Somebody stays with the ship.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, I think we've pretty much covered everything. So this show is funded by the Gnome Stew Patreon. You too can become a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnome Stew website to the Gnome Stew Patreon. This ad is brought to you by Tropomatic 5000. Need to figure out your next move in the game? You're running... Never fear, Tropomatic 5000 will give you the most predictable response to present to your players to bore them out of their minds. Sure to get them to ask you to let someone else run for a little while. If you're enjoying the Gnomecast, you'll probably like many of the other Mr. Mark shows, here's one to check out.
0: Bonus experience! Ray and Monica are two old friends exploring gameplay and design through the lens of diversity while also sharing some of the dumbest humor gaming has to offer.
1: You can find all of us at GnomeStew.com, at GnomeStew on Twitter, and GnomeStew on Facebook. Gnomes, is there anything else you'd like to share a link to? Jared, go!
0: Sure, you can find my blog at WhatDoIKnowJR.com, where I do all sorts of other reviews that didn't make it onto GnomeStew.
1: JT, how about you?
2: For me, since I was last on a Gnomecast, I had a short story come out in an anthology called Talons and Talismans 1 from New Mythology Press the yes. the editor Rob Howell said my story will definitely make you cry <laughs> and it's along the veins of the role playing games uh, tales from the loop or kids on bikes
1: nice it's in that
2: style and theme of, of storytelling so if you're a child of the 80s and you remember cruising the neighborhood on your bicycle you'll probably like my story that's awesome, awesome.
1: that's awesome okay i think i think we've we've tropified everything that could be troped <laughs> So I'm not even going to ask about if we avoided the stew this week, because that's just a really tired trope that we've been doing for way way too long.
0: (laughs) Gnomecast is hosted by Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs.
1: The internet has been bad today.